For our November episode, we are joined by Angela Durazio, Senior Program Officer for Housing at the Sisters of Charity Foundation of Cleveland. Through grants, technical assistance, convening, advocacy, and policy initiatives, Angela's work in striving to end chronic homelessness and youth homelessness has resulted in state and local collaboration to meet the needs of the unhoused community. Angela has worked closely on an initiative called A Place for Me, which brings together diverse community partners to collectively prevent and end youth homelessness, especially among youth who have aged out of the foster care system. Working closely with the program director of A Place for Me, Angela co-facilitated a community planning process to develop the Cuyahoga County Strategic Plan to prevent and end youth homelessness. She also works on behalf of the foundation to garner public and private investment to support implementation of the plan. Angela has a bachelor's of science in psychology and sociology from Kent State University and a master's of science in social administration from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. really enjoying this super sunny weather. I was just outside. Yeah, it's really good to see you. I haven't seen you in yeah. a while. It's good to see you too. I know I've been outside as much as I possibly can. We have been just so spoiled with this really nice weather. I know. <laughs> I always am surprised by how much I needed the sun and the blue skies, like how much I my mood is affected by the weather until there is a beautiful day like this. And I just feel like so much lighter. And like November being unseasonably warm is like such a gift. Yeah. When October started, I was like, okay, like we're going to get like darker earlier and like all of these things. But now it just, I'm just really grateful for it. You know, me too. Um, I'm gonna just check the time just to make sure that we are on track and great. Okay. Well, welcome, Angela. I know that we worked for a couple of years together before I left the foundation to do other work. And I'm really glad to be talking to you today on the podcast. Thank you for asking me. This is fun. So the first thing that I did want to ask you um, is for you to tell the audiences who you are and um, what your role is at the Sisters of Charity Foundation. Sure. So my name is Angela Durazio, and I'm the Senior Program Officer for Housing at the Sisters of Charity Foundation of Cleveland. I've been working in the space of housing and homeless services really since 2011 or so, but I've been with the foundation and the parent organization, the Sisters of Charity Health System, since 2007. So I've been with the organization in some capacity for the last 15 and a half years. And in my work now, um, I really have the, it's just, it's a privilege for me to be able to sort of oversee the foundation's investments in ending homelessness in Cuyahoga County. I am always so grateful that the foundation's board has decided to be so bold in its vision around making investments that are truly focused on solutions mm-hmm. and um, and really pushing the envelope and what's possible in, in securing the dignity of housing for every person. And I think 
That alone is rooted in our Catholic faith that every person deserves the dignity of a home from which to grow and dream and thrive. And I think home is so foundational to all of us. And it is the place where we are able to do all of those things. So it is truly a privilege to um, represent and work on those investments. In that space, the foundation also takes a really collaborative approach to its work. So recognizing that, you know, no one organization, no one foundation is capable of something as aspirational as ending homelessness. So it's really, it's always focused its work on building strong collaborations and helping to sustain and nurture those partnerships to work toward a shared goal, which is ending homelessness. And in our youth work more recently, there's been a lot of focus on how we work with and partner authentically with young people who have lived experience of homelessness and housing instability, you know, how we honor their stories, how we um, partner and quiet our own voices to sort of defer to their voice as an expert in their experience and the experience and what it means to experience homelessness in our community and to work with them to develop solutions. So it's really um, meaningful, impactful, hard, but very rewarding work that mm-hmm. I get to be a part of at the Sisters of Charity Foundation. And to be able to have done that for so long, to see the evolutions of this work, not just at the foundation, but in Cleveland in general, sounds like such a gift to have that broad lens. Um, And you've had your hand in a lot of collaborations with organizations around town and to be in a space where, you know, there is a need, like Cleveland is one of these centers in, in the country where the need is present. And there are so many opportunities and organizations, faith-based and otherwise, that are, you know, really collaborating on the state level, on the national level, and to have those long-term partnerships as a person that's been doing this for so long, it has to be such a gift to the people that you collaborate with. I'm really grateful that you are specifically in the position you are because you do have this sense of patience, understanding, seeing things from all sides, and really needing to have that skill. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned patience, because sometimes I don't feel very patient. I feel like so much of this work is like finding the right balance between recognizing that we're in this for the long haul, like we're not going to end homelessness in five years or 10 years. And again, that's really the leadership of the board and saying like, we're going to stick with this. We know that these, these massive social transformations take a lot of time and we're going to stick with it. And we need to, you know, we need to be patient, but it's also like not wanting to become complacent either. So it's that mix of like being patient with the journey that we're on, but never sort of settling for what's currently in place. It's always about thinking how we can do better and how we can strive for more, but doing that in a really hopeful way and not sort of a pessimistic, oh, we're, you know, we're failing kind of way. So it's always that balance between wanting to be patient, recognizing we're on a journey and always striving to keep moving forward and to keep striving for what's best and what's better. So um, I don't always feel very patient, but I think that's, I think that's too how faith shows up in the, in the workplace, in this work in general is like, we have to trust that this will all work out the way that it's meant to be, 
you know, we don't, we don't always see what's around the corner and how things will change. And, you know, in my personal life, I'm such a believer that God's hand is in everything. And, and oftentimes we can't see the bigger picture. And so we have to just kind of go along for the ride and trust that, you know, we are vessels in God's wider plan and really just trust in that and do the best that we can and show up the best way that we can. But know that there is a bigger story that we can probably only see a little bit of at a time and just find comfort in really not knowing what's ahead, but just every day showing up and trying your best. That reminds me of that prayer that's attributed to Oscar Romero being prophets of the future, not our own. And And like, there's like a reference in that, in that prayer about laying foundations that still need further development. Like we know things are not going to, really end or, or have a sense of like immediate satisfaction within our immediate lifetimes and seeing that we are still part of the process of, of reaching the kingdom of God, whatever that may, may look like to our own physical bodies is like a, it feels both present centered and future centered and, and knowing that we are building what has been built before us feels like a really beautiful comparison to the kingdom of God. And like the the understanding that God is with us now and God will continue to be with us in the next iteration, um, like feels very comforting and work that really doesn't have a clear ending mm-hmm. and doesn't always have clear solutions along the way. It is it is based on where we are right now with the best sort of research that we have at this moment, working together and doing our best. And mm-hmm. the trust looks like ongoing community support rather than I see the result at every turn. Right. You know, right. I'm really glad that you brought up kind of like what that looks like within being people of faith. When we first officially met, um, when I first started at the foundation, you know, being people of faith was one of the things that connected us. And I really appreciated the ways that you showed up to your work in ways that felt like, you know, how am I doing the work of God? How am I really being present to myself, to my kids, to my family, um, and being present to the people that are most impacted by, you know, my work in homelessness. And I did want to ask, like, how does being a person of faith really influence how you show up to your work, you know, Mm -hmm. in housing and how you show up to your work at the foundation in general? I think I sort of have the ability to kind of bring my whole self to the work, especially working with a faith-based organization, because faith is a really important part of my life and work for any, you know, for any one of us is an important part of our lives. We dedicate what half of our waking hours to our work. And so to be able to live out my faith at work feels really authentic to me as a person of faith. I feel like I've often reflected, I feel like sort of my inner monologue is sort of an ongoing dialogue with God, even at work, like Mm -hmm. when things go, you know, particularly well, or when I recognize in a moment, like that could have gone really badly, but something happened where it didn't, I think, oh God, that was you. And just constantly looking for those moments where I can see God's hand in 
the process and the work. And likewise, when those, you know, in those places where I've sort of failed to kind of live up to my responsibilities as a person of faith, or when I've, you know, made a mistake or having an issue in a relationship with a person, just recognizing again, like I am a vessel in a much larger plan and I need to take a step back and say, God, what would you have me do here? Because Mm -hmm inevitably in this work, which is really all about relationships, all about working with people. There are inevitably conflicts, there are inevitably um, challenges. And I think to look at those as opportunities for growth, you know, for myself individually, but opportunity for relationship to build trust and move forward. I think that's how I try to approach those, you know, those instances. So it's really just feeling like there's a constant sort of companion on this work mm-hmm. is, is God and really knowing that he is there and he, he has it all mapped out. And again, I can only see a little piece of it at a time. It's just accepting that, you know, accept the moment that you're in as part of a larger plan. And that's not always easy to accept because I'm very much a person that wants to like know all the unknowns and know exactly how to move forward and know exactly what the right answer is. And I've just sort of had to learn over the last several years and just accept that I can't. And Mm -hmm. I mean, both in my, you know, professional life as well as my personal life and just take every day as it comes. Um, It's taken a long time, I think, to learn that it's that trust and it's the faith that it will work out according to God's will and plan, whatever that may be, however it may look. And all, you know, I'm called to do is the best that I can in that moment, really in partnership and sort of seeing my role as a vessel of of God. I think that it's a really good thing to hear you say in reference to what you said in the beginning about housing provides dignity to to someone. You know, we we have this space for for each other to to feel grounded, to feel safe, to feel like we can have a space that is ours, to have safety that housing can provide and really can communicate to someone that like you are, you are worth this time and this life and this energy that we all deserve. And I think that your work specifically lives up to that call in the way that you collaborate and center youth in their decision-making, not just here are some resources, but how are you co-creators of your future and how that's really essential to providing space of dignity to provide space of, of feeling like I can be invested in, I am worthy of this and how that feels very spirit driven. That feels like a very spirit driven work when we're talking about specifically justice work, you know, am I doing something right? Am I doing something for the the greater good of God? Or am I doing something that is like the best thing to do? I think that when we think about justice and when we think about who are we including and how are we including them? I think that's a really good, you know, way of doing so is centering, centering folks in their own lives. When you've talked a little bit about how you specifically like have the process centered around youth and how that makes it essential. I think that it's like a really clear cut way to get to that goal. Yeah. And I think too, I've thought the foundation many, many years ago, did a documentary called In Their Words with the CSAs. Do you remember this, Rachel? Have you you ever seen it? It's a documentary where CSAs sort of reflected on their ministry over the year. And there there was a sister 
Oh my goodness. I can't remember her name, but she was at St. John medical center. And she talked about an experience with a patient in the emergency room many, many years ago and how she walked with this man. She accompanied him. And I think about that so much because, and I was reminded of it when you just said, especially with young people, the work is never about sort of like, okay, here's a list of resources. Good luck. Mm -hmm. It's really about, you know, partnership and accompanying young people on their journeys. And so that's a big piece. I mean, without getting too much in the weeds around like the direct service work that we've helped to support, but it's really about peer-to-peer walking with partnering to a better future and seeing that to fruition and just the joy and the honor of being a part of that and having been able to kind of support that kind of model of the work. It does. It feels very rooted in faith and spirituality and joining with as, you know, your whole person to another person and helping them um, navigate to something better and allowing yourself to be transformed in the process too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing I appreciate so much about the foundation is I think we really try to not take this, like, we are the foundation. We know what's best. It's really about you are a person. I am a person. We both bring strengths to this relationship. We both bring weaknesses to this relationship and coming together. We can complement each other's strengths. We can learn from each other. We can both be changed for the better in relationship with one another. So I just, I love that this, that spirit of the way that the foundation does its work and the way that I really just, again, use the word privilege, like the privilege of being able to do my work that way. I think it really is so just grounded in the CSAs and the way that Mm -hmm. they've done their work for so long. And being able to like know that we are part of that history of, of CSAs beginning this work and building on their work and knowing full well that not only is it a faith-based institution, it's also an institution that is a, you know, a ministry of the Sisters of Charity of St. Augustine. And just an observation that there are moments where we can recognize God within this work. Mm-hmm. And to be doing that in, in a similar way or in the spirit of sisters that, that have been doing this work for so many years is such a privilege is a good way of putting it. I think it's, we are this kind of community of folks that you know, take on the mantle and really continue it and meet the issues where they are based on where we are and the resources that we have. And I would imagine that it feels different to work at a faith-based institution and to have those consistent reminders. And I wonder like how you see those, where you see them, you know, in your work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to be, you know, when I started at the health system in 2007, I was lucky enough to be there at a time where there were several CSAs in active ministry at the health system, Sister Mary Patricia Barrett and Sister Alan Kenzig just down the hall from me. And just the blessing of working alongside women who had given their entire lives to this mission. You know, Sister Mary Pat especially just always talked about not being able to accomplish the work of the CSAs and their their mission without the lay ministers, her co-ministers, as she Mm. said. And just like 
feeling a part of something so much bigger. When you look at the history of the CSAs in this country, having come here in the late 1800s, just years and years and years of ministry in, in Cleveland and being feeling so connected to that and also feeling like the responsibility of that and the obligation of that, that we were invited to participate in this mission and wanting to do that well. I mean, it felt like that is such an honor to be working on behalf of this mission with the sisters and wanting to do well and to do right by it, I think. So I feel that sort of that legacy, you know, that saying you stand on the shoulders of giants. And mm -hmm. I think with the CSAs, they are giants. The work that they've done in our community is just so powerful and it's not just what they've done, but how they've done it in partnership with courage and compassion and constantly looking for, you know, what's the next important need that we can help fill again, not wanting to ever be complacent, not ever wanting to just kind of stand still, but looking for the next thing. So I just have such respect for what they've done and how they've done it. I think sometimes the how is just as important, if not more important than, than the what. And you know, all of those moments to get to just take a, a moment to kind of center yourself as a spiritual being in the workplace. I think I've certainly been a part of meetings that begin with prayer and we start praying and I realize, oh my gosh, I didn't know how much I needed just a moment of silence and a moment of prayer and just move to tears because you're thinking of like all of the things and you might've just continued to subconsciously push all of that below the surface, if not for that moment of just like quiet and reflection. So it's all of those things that I think allow me to kind of, again, bring my whole self to the work and stay rooted and grounded in um, that connection to a larger mission at the foundation. I'm glad that you said that about the piece of prayer for meetings. You know, it, it allows us to enter it in gratitude and in connection I feel connected with people in the room if I've shared prayer with them, especially if we're going to be talking about something that is hard or difficult or heavy. You know, I, I feel like I am more fortified when that happens. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for talking today. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. I'm really glad that I did. I know that it was, we were planning the year for, for podcasts. Your name was brought up as someone that is like, you know, there's, there's so much that, that Angela has shared about like being a faithful person and like how that is centered in her life. And, um, and I'm really glad that we got to talk about that. Yes. I mean, just to be able to reflect on, we're all moving so quickly these days and it's really nice to be able to just take a moment to reflect on that and, Again, it's like you're you're doing it every day and often don't have a chance to stop for a moment and, and really think about it. So thank you for asking me. We want to thank our sound editor, Angie Hayes, and our music composer, Matthew Dolan, for their work on this episode. We look forward to our next episode, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and generativespirit.org slash podcast. 